0: Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people, with news, views and expert interviews.
1: Hi and welcome to Constructive Voices, episode 27, the first one for April 2022. And we've got a great guest, as always, on the podcast this time. Craig Applegarth, who'll be talking about the zero carbon mass timber project.
0: One cubic metre of wood stores one metric tonne. CO two. Having a building that's seventy percent made of wood is a way of storing huge amounts of CO two. More from Craig shortly as he
1: talks to Henry McDonald, and of course, I'm joined by Pete the Builder, Peter Finn.
0: Constructive Voices Media Partner in Ireland and the United Kingdom is Construction Industry News. Since 2002, Construction Industry
2: News has been focused on the very latest projects and developments within the
1: UK and Ireland. So, Pete, how are you doing? Steve, how are you? Great to talk to you. I'm very well, thank you. And we're we're eating cake today because it's (laughs) our birthday episode. Can you believe we've been doing this a year? Unbelievable, absolutely
3: unbelievable, Steve. Um, I have to say, I'm going to take this opportunity. A pleasure to, to work with you for this year. A pleasure to be involved in Constructive Voices. A pleasure to have made so much progress in such a short period of time. We've got so much exciting news that we're going to talk about today. But you know, today is a day for reflection and eating cake. And believe <laughs> me uh, the, the, the cake. The cake tastes, tastes very, very nice. And um, no, it's been a fantastic year. We've had so many excellent guests on. We've had the opportunity to speak about so many things. It's it's such a buzz, and it's been a pleasure to do with you, my friend.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely the same. I mean, it's great to get your insights. I mean, I get excited about a lot of this from the point of view of, you know, just, just being a, a a citizen, you know. So it's like, how are buildings going to evolve? You know, how is the construction industry going to help with our climate change efforts? You know, how is technology going to change how things are done you know we talked about robots in a recent episode all of this stuff is really exciting and then you put it into context of how it's going to work in the construction industry and and i learned so much from listening to you and from our guests of course yeah
3: like that's that's i suppose what what we do well here in constructive voices is we we are not afraid to to speak about any subject and no matter how sensitive no matter how um, maybe new age or, or old age it may be we, we, we like to address stuff and uh, we talk about things openly and you know I think the good thing um, about everybody here involved in Constructive Voices like some of the interviews that Henry has done over, over the last year uh, like you know talk about journalism at its best. has been amazing. And uh, we, we like to just try and scratch the itch that people have about certain subjects and and try and, you know, open up all our minds and, and open up subjects because at the end of the day, how everything starts is through discussion and through planning. And I think that's what we do. We open up open up subjects really well and get the right people in to start developing each uh, subject. And long may it last, Steve, long may it last.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And of course, one of the big Sort of pillar topics, I suppose, that we come back to time and again is sustainability and the drive towards carbon net zero. And a couple of things on that. First of all, we have a great guest on this episode. But also, while we're buzzing about our birthday, we're also really excited um, about a new event which is happening this summer in Brighton on the uh, south coast of the UK. Uh, You know, a fantastic venue. And it's called Footprint Plus, the new UK property event for a zero carbon future. And this is going to bring together, well, all the big names in the industry. It's just, it's phenomenal and we're going to be part of it. We're we're going to be partnering up
3: um, with Footprint Plus. And again, you've described, you've hit the nail on the head there. This is a construction uh, podcast and construction plays such a big part in so many people's lives, um, whether it's through employment, but also what we leave behind us um, in terms of the, the buildings and everything that uh, happens in the construction industry uh, it's so important that it's now done in the correct way, and it's so important that we leave behind, I suppose, just a sustainable product. That's what this uh, event is all about. The 7th to the 9th of June in Brighton, down by the seaside. I'm going to bring my swimming tog, Steve. I'm sorry
1: you're going <laughs> to have to see this. but um, yeah, no, I imagine we, you with a knotted handkerchief on your head, you know, <laughs> in a deck chair somewhere. <laughs> well, I certainly don't have a suntan, so I can
3: tell you. <laughs> but no, look, it's going to be really exciting. We're going to get to go around and, and speak to people, create a, a great book, you can't beat that that live vibe that you get when, when you're meeting new people and seeing all these sh- uh, uh, products being showcased. So, you know, exciting times ahead, and that includes today because we've got a really, really good guest coming up, um, and I'm really looking forward to listening to that too, you know? Yeah,
1: Craig Applegarth, who's going to be speaking to Henry McDonald shortly. But before he did the interview with Henry, he spoke uh, briefly to our producer, Jackie, and he, he said he had recently been asked to sum up in a slogan what he's all about. And here's what he said.
0: The past is filled with understandings of how the world works. So history is not just about political history or geographic history, it's all about, about scientific history. And I am steeped in the past um, science and and politics and geography. I love the understanding what happened in the past. But as as a jumping off point, as a foundation for the future, you can't project yourself into the future without understanding what's happened in the past. And so that is, for me, understanding the past, learning from the past, allows us to move in the future. But the future isn't something that happens. The future is something that you invent. But if we want a future that we think that we can thrive in, then we have to invent it. and We have to imagine it and then go for it. Just like the hybrid wood tower, that wasn't necessarily going to happen. We invented it. We imagined it. And we did it. You know, we talk about inspiration a lot
1: on this show because we have guests who are real futurologists. You know, they are seeing the direction that we need to be going in. And and Craig and his uh, zero carbon mass timber project, just amazing. I mean, if you look on our website, constructive-voices.com, don't forget the dash, you'll see some amazing pictures, including... A super tall hybrid wood tower. Yes, a wooden tower that stands a hundred and five stories tall. I mean, it's mind-boggling stuff.
3: Yeah, so it's a prototype building that um, is is still hasn't been built yet. So um, it's 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 in the in the planning stage. But I suppose it's been a meeting of minds in terms of a lot of people with similar ideology and similar ways of approaching. Um, construction have come together and they kind of looked at the whole aspect of construction in terms of sustainability and they said okay in terms of how we build this building how do we um, make it more sustainable in the in the construction stage as well as um, when the the product is finished so you know a lot of people have been driving towards going for uh, timber frame buildings But if you're going to go 105 stories high, you know, that's got a lot of problems. Like, and Craig goes into this in his interview. When you go up a certain height, you know, the building starts moving. Like, you you know, you've got no option. You've just got to accept that the building is pretty much moving at at all times. And you have to allow for that. And you have to make sure that the product is strong in terms of it's structurally got the strength to to do what it needs to do. It needs to function in, in the correct way, but also to do it in a sustainable way so all of these uh, thoughts came into mind when the team were doing this and how to, like it was a very clever approach they took they kind of looked at it in percentages and they looked at how could they reduce the percentage of certain materials within the building without affecting the fabric in terms of the structural fabric of the building such a such a huge uh, achievement to be able to do this in such a sustainable way so so exciting such a such a brilliant guest to have on board you know well let's hear from him Craig Applegarth
1: has been talking to Henry McDonald.
0: I'm an architect architect architect, an urban designer. I started training to be a biologist. I wanted to be uh, an academic in my PhD and and teach uh, natural systems when I was a kid. And somewhere around third year of biology, I went to U of T, University of Toronto. I realized that the contemporary world of biology was not really what I'd imagined. Um, I, I think I must have imagined some sort of um, romantic 19th century um, view of biology, maybe Darwin on the Beagle discovering evolution or something like that. Bigger yeah. bigger picture. So I, 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 the other thing that I always loved um, was design and making things. And so I shifted gears and um, went into architecture school at Dalhousie, which is in Halifax, Canada. Uh, and that was really wonderful. It was like dying and going to heaven. It was just fantastic. Um, enjoyed it. I studied there for five years and then I worked in Germany for a year after that um, for a well-known architect named Colin Lungers in uh, Frankfurt and uh, really, really came to understand architecture in the bigger context of city making, um, community making. So after that year, I headed to Harvard's graduate school of design for a master's degree in architecture and urban design. So upon graduating from all those um, schools, um, I really found myself to be in a very um, unique position of having a sense of the natural systems and natural environment, ecology and so forth, combined with architecture, combined with an understanding of the city. And it took many years to sort of bring it all together. But in the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years, it's, it's really nicely knitted together in how I approach the world of architecture and urban design. And the biggest challenge and opportunity right now is how to design in a way that limits our species damage to the environment through producing CO2 and, and methane and how we're going to adapt to the damage that we've already caused um, to the impacts of climate change. And so that that is really what my career is all about right now.
2: Tell us about the foundation of Dialog. That's D-I-A-L-O-G. When did it come into being and what were its founding principles? It
0: came into being 10 years ago, actually 2010. And it was the amalgamation or merger of um, three different firms that all had the same commitment To making positive change. All of that experience, the architecture and the urbanism, um, really allowed us to focus on what became uh, defined as our key mission, which is through design, improving the well being of our environment um, and uh, community well being.
2: Let's talk about some of the projects you've worked on, starting with the Centennial College. Where is it? And can you paint us a vivid picture of what it's like?
0: Yes. Um, Centennial College is a community college in Scarborough, which is on the eastern side of Toronto. And it's an expansion of part of the existing college, an expansion of what's called A Block. And it's a um, six-story, 135,000 square foot building that is going to be, uh, right now it's, it's Well under construction, but when it's complete, it will be zero carbon, mass timber, and it is indigenously inspired.
2: And in what way is it energy efficient?
0: Well, there's a number of things that work together to make it highly energy efficient. The important thing about energy efficiency is it's a proxy for carbon. To make energy available, you have to burn fossil fuels or at least some proportion of energy is supplied through fossil fuels. So reducing energy consumption is is one of the means of reducing carbon. Um, And the way it's it's so effective in doing that is it's a highly insulated building. It's got an effective R20 insulation on the walls and an effective R35 on the roof. The um, window to wall ratio is somewhere in the order of 30-35%. to and so it is a really, really tight box that uh, energy wise. And then we're to reduce uh, carbon emissions. We're using electric uh, boilers and uh, heat pumps as a way of being most effective in how we use energy and, and reduce our carbon footprint.
2: Can you explain to us the concept of indigenous inspired, especially in the context of Canada? Is that the do with the First Nations?
0: Yes, it, it is. Uh, yeah, and um, Canada has had, um, as we re- really now understand, a troubled history um, with um, the settlers, as, as the Indigenous community re- refers to the people that came over from Britain and Europe in the um, 18th and 19th centuries. There was a significant lack of respect and, and marginalization of those communities. And I think in the last 10 years, there has been a real effort on the part of all Canadians to find a way to reconcile ourselves to being together in an appropriate, fair and effective way. And so a lot of architecture in Canada now is looking to exemplify reconciliation between Indigenous peoples and uh, the rest of the population. And so when we started this building project, Henry, we were told by the client that this building had to exemplify reconciliation. And they handed us out a book of poetry by Chief Stacey Laforte. He's an Indigenous author. Uh-huh. Let this uh, poetry inspire you and that the building be a communication of that inspiration. And, and so we started, we started in collaboration with an indigenous architect named Palladia Smoke, and we started with two framing concepts, one was the uh, Mi'kmaq concept of two-eyed seeing, which understands the intention of your design would be considered from a Western point of view, but also an Indigenous point of view. So those two lenses are brought to bear on the challenges you face in in designing a building. I I think the the other one was the Anishinaabe prophecy, the Seven Fires prophecy that really talked about we're we're coming to a point now where that if we cannot um, find a way of working together, then really it's the end. Of, of both civilizations. Uh, and I may have misframed that, but it was certainly a notion that somehow we had to, in our creative design process, um, exemplify the notion of reconciliation.
2: Um, we move on to the super tall hybrid wood tower. Again, a couple of questions: Where is it, and tell us about its physical properties.
0: Um, well, it's a prototype, so that it it doesn't have a uh, site yet. We put it on a site in Toronto to demonstrate its efficacy. Um, it's 105 stories. It's mixed use, commercial, hotel, and residential. The building um, structure is a steel diagrid exoskeleton and a concrete core and where does the wood part fit in? Well, when we were examining how tall buildings are put together, 70% of all the materials used in a tall building are in the floor system. So, that was the opportunity to use mass timber CLT. That was also the opportunity for us to design a long-span CLT um, mass timber floor system which is one of the um, real innovations here. And by the way, CLT stands for cross laminated timber. And that's sort of like a super thick plywood where you have a number of two by fours or two by sixes on the press in one direction and then spray glue on them and then put, uh, two by fours or two by sixes, and the other direction, back and forth, back and forth, until you get you know, seven or eight layers, and that becomes your your floor deck.
2: The building is 105 stories. So, what are the challenges in constructing a building of that size?
0: Well, it it hasn't been constructed yet. It well, is concept, right now. It's in, in concept. Well, just like any o- other tall building, um, there's a, there's clearly the bearing the the um, uh, dead load of all the structure. Bring it down to the ground and, and bearing the load. There's also wind loads. The higher you go off the ground, the higher the wind speeds become. So the greater the forces on the building. So, so they're really designed as a way of dealing with uh, wind forces as much as they are with actual dealing with uh, the uh, loading, the dead load of the actual building itself and the live load of the Inhabitants and furniture and so forth,
2: and you're confident this construct will stand up to the powerful winds and storms, especially especially in your part of the part of the world, because the winters can be so punishing. Well, that's. Matters.
0: That's what we do. We're, we're a firm that designs tall buildings. Um, we've got engineers that have done many, many very, very tall buildings before. So um, we have no doubt that the basic structural systems will be able to, to uh, accommodate those. That's the, the real challenge was not designing the tall building. That's something that we do in, in steel and concrete all the time. The challenge was how do you do it and incorporate a significant um, mass of, of uh, mass timber into it?
2: And in terms of providing carbon storage, what's unique about it? To give you
0: you and your listeners some sense of the importance of mass timber for storing carbon, one cubic metre of wood, so imagine that a metre by a metre by a metre of wood, stores one metric tonne of CO2. That's a lot. So really having a building that's 70% made of wood is a way of storing huge amounts of CO2 and you're storing it by taking it out of sustainably harvested forests. So that is sustainable harvesting means that it's actually maintaining or improving the ecology of the forest it's being harvested from and storing that carbon. If in, in, a, in a forest, most of the uh, carbon is stored in the wood, but also in the, in the ground, um, and wh- it reaches a certain level where it's not storing car- much carbon anymore. So if you start taking a certain number of trees out, then it provides light for other trees to grow up and start store, st- storing more carbon. So it's a way of helping suck CO2 out of the atmosphere and store it. Buildings are a great place. Uh, as long as they're, they're sound, uh, they're a great place to store carbon.
2: The dialogue was also involved in the HSBC place in Edmonton. Intriguingly, uh, I I found it intriguing, your website says that it's a building offering, quotes, air, water, light, fitness, comfort, mindfulness. Pretty big statement. It is, isn't it?
0: And, and, And you know where that statement comes from? Those are actually the categories for the WELL certification. And this is a WELL gold certified building. And WELL is a certification that looks at Tenant activity, clean air and water, the right to light. It's basically about making sure that the tenants have all of the amenities and um, environment to uh, be effective and healthy. So it, it was designed to well gold. It was also designed to be lead gold as well, and it's wired certified platinum. That's all about its IT uh, systems and their redundancy and, uh, and effectiveness. We're very
2: honored to have you on the podcast uh, on con- here and constructive voices. But you have your own podcast that promotes your philosophy of sustainable construction. I note that you pose three key questions or challenges, which your podcast tries to find answers for. What are they and why?
0: Well, yes, the whole podcast came about from me realizing that I was giving lectures and presentations around the world, spewing CO2 and (laughs) the jets (laughs) that I was flying on. I'm like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) This is nuts. So I I said, well, you know, podcast is probably a better way of reaching people. And and I posed the three questions, which I think really are the imperative of the 21st century. We have to answer these questions. And the first one is, how do we reduce harm? How will we continue to live on our planet without destroying our biosphere? If we can't do this, we will not have a planet to live on. Like, there's only one planet. There's no plan B, right? So (laughs) harm reduction is the first question. The second question is, well, we've already committed a fair bit of harm already. We've pumped a lot of CO2 into the atmosphere, CO2 equivalents. And so climate change is starting to bite. So we're going to have to also figure out how to adapt uh, to the impacts of climate change. And the third one is a little bit more optimistic. But nevertheless, I think we also have to start thinking of regeneration, it's another way of saying that is reciprocity. How do we act as stewards to not only reducing harm, but improving the environment that we're part of it, uh, repairing the damage that we've already caused? So I think those are our three really, really big challenges ahead that um, I, on the podcast, I interview with various people, and they're not all uh, in the construction design industry. They're, they're politicians and scientists and policymakers, et cetera. So looking at um, their expertise, for practical suggestions and um, ideas about how, um, through what the kind of work they've been doing, they answer one or more of those questions for the audience.
2: Another question you pose is what do you think is missing from the discussion of climate change? What is missing in your view?
0: Well, first of all, I think we have to be clearer and more effective in getting the positive message out that, that the transition to a low carbon or zero carbon Uh, economy is not going to be punishing. It will actually be very beneficial. I think, for example, one of the best thinkers on this is Saul Griffith. He's written a wonderful book that your listeners might want to get a hold of called Electrify, an Optimist Playbook for our Clean Energy Future. And I think there's a a huge um, opportunity there if we transition um, to that zero carbon electrified future. Um, we have all the technology we need. Um, it's just a question of, I think the next thing is missing, is I think there's real leadership missing. I think this is an opportunity for government leaders and corporate leaders to stand up. And we're right in the, in the midst of a horrendous uh, war going on in the Ukraine. And, and, I, and I think one of the, the only positive things that's come out of it is a demonstration of real leadership. Of Volodymyr Zelensky. I mean, I don't think that this poor country, Ukraine, will, will, would have been able to survive as long as it has without him. And probably um, their most effective future is because of him. And so I think we need leaders that will actually stand up and lead their communities in actually the transition that I just referred to.
2: Talking about leadership, instead of talking politics, talking corporate, you know, this podcast talks to the building industry, the construction industry, in all its forms globally. Do you think construction are engaging with the kind of questions and challenges you put forward? Uh,
0: Yes, I I do. Um, Very much so. In fact, I I don't know of any clients that I'm dealing with now, uh, corporate and institutional, that are not looking at sustainability and reducing carbon, in fact, zero carbon goals, uh, as being part of their responsibility. Most of the consultants that I work with, most of the architects I know, most of the engineers I know, are all engaged in um, trying to get to uh, zero carbon or at least low carbon. And the construction industry as well. I have one of my guests on the podcast, in fact, the last guest I just finished interviewing is Jeff Smith, who's the CEO of Ellis Don. And he's passionate about getting us to a zero carbon future. He made a very, very good point, which is the construction industry can do it, but there has to be the will of society and our our government leadership to to drive it down the tracks. We've got all the technology we need and there's huge opportunities. And one of the biggest opportunities that he pointed out was um, that 98% of buildings we have are existing buildings. So, we have to figure out a way to transform them into uh, zero carbon buildings.
2: If you think construction gets it, I think the next question, which you did pose, an elemental one, is can we do
0: it collectively? Well, can we? Well, Henry, I guess that's the existential question um, we're facing, isn't it? Um, Mm. I, I believe the answer is possibly yes. We certainly have all the technology we need. We have all the renewable energy technology we need at a cost that is below fossil fuel cost. The input cost to make uh, energy or, or, or transform energy from wind and solar is below the cost of, of oil, gas, and, and, and coal. And we also have the technology to strip CO2 out of fossil fuel burning through algae bioreactors. So we've certainly got the technology. Um, the big, big question is we have somewhere between five to 10 year window before we reach tipping points of no return. And uh, that's the big question is we can do it. Just will we do it? And I'm going to keep trying to do all I can right. to convince people yeah. that we should be focused on this task. There's, there's, there's no other way, right? Like we, we don't have a choice. We have to keep trying. We certainly can't press the
2: rewind button on, on history. Is the work you do uniquely Canadian in the sense of, you know, the access to timber you would have in, in your country, that space of your fascination? And what I, what seems to me to be a lot of environmental awareness in Canada about what needs to be done.
0: No, uh, I think that mass timber is not about harvesting big trees and slicing them up to create the structural members. That's timber construction. Mass timber is about taking smaller pieces of wood and gluing them together. So you can actually um, have mass timber, as they do in Europe, from forests that they grow like they grow crops, like corn. They do it through things like copsing, where you grow trees to a certain height and cut them off uh, a few feet above the ground and then branches sprout off and create uh, new new wood that can be then harvested, say 10 years later. And what happens is these smaller pieces of wood are sliced down and brought together to make the mass timber pieces. So this is something that can be done all over the world. Uh, It's certainly been done in Europe before it was done in North America. Um, It can be done in the uh, Southern climes as well, Um, where in equatorial areas where wood grows much faster than it does in the Northern hemisphere. So, the technology is a very, very effective one for taking smaller pieces of wood and gluing them together to make larger um, structural members. And it is efficient Uh, in terms of of technique and cost. So, I think it's, it's definitely something that we can look at implementing around the world. In fact, they're doing it all over the world right now. They're doing it in Singapore, they're doing it in Australia, they're doing it in Africa in Europe, and United States, uh, Canada, uh, wherever there is wood, and it doesn't have to be North American spruce or pine. Uh, it can be hardwood. It can be um, softwoods in, in, the, in the tropics. Um, so, yes, this can be done everywhere.
2: What's next on the horizon for you and your business in terms of building projects? And will any of those be beyond Canada?
0: Well, um, for me right now, my world is primarily about doing um, projects for universities and colleges, and most of them are looking at doing zero carbon buildings, and all of them are fascinated with doing mass timber. So I, I suspect my future is very, very, being a very busy boy doing mass timber zero carbon projects. But in terms of doing something that's bigger picture, like the hybrid wood tower, we've got two um, additional prototype projects that are very, very exciting that I'm involved with. It was a lot of fun. Um, The first is a multi-generational modular mass timber zero-carbon prototype. And this is uh, for um, mixed affordability housing, community housing, uh, using mass timber in modular form so that it can be made in a cost-effective way. second one is a a very interesting ideas project, which is we call the thousand-year permanent and impermanent building prototype. And we've been looking at this as what we will be projecting into the next millennium. If you look at the last millennium, it started really with the fall of the Roman empire into the dark ages, and then merged into, you know, the Renaissance and the enlightenment, and finally the industrial revolution. Um, I think if you look back over the buildings that have stood the test of time, they're anchored into their landscapes and they're built of stone primarily and timber on the inside. or or timber on the inside. I think going forward though, buildings because of climate change and the changing uh, landscape, for example, sea level rise, which will change where buildings can be built. We're gonna have to look at buildings that not only are are permanent in terms of their their, uh, resilience um, to the forces of nature, but also possibly can be moved. So moved as a whole or taken apart in pieces and moved. So we're looking at creating a prototype that is very, very durable, but at the same time movable, disassemblable, reassemblable, and what that looks like and how how that would work over time. So that's that's one of the really um, interesting and, and fun projects I'm working on right now. And we're, by the way, we're doing that in, in collaboration with RDH Building Science Group.
2: Your philosophy of design and construction, to any of the construction CEOs, big builders who are listening to this podcast, what would your message be to them in terms of what you do? What, what can you bring to the table for them?
0: The constructors I'm working with now are a very, very sophisticated group of people. Most of them are by training engineers. Uh, some of them have uh, MBAs. They're a sophisticated group of people and they get it. So I'm not so sure I could tell them anything that they don't already know, um, but I would offer up they need to keep moving the ball down the field. They need to keep looking for opportunities to collaborate with their clients and with architects um, and engineers in order to reduce both uh, operational carbon and embodied carbon. That's the the big challenge right now, reducing carbon, reducing operational carbon, which is a carbon generated by operating a building, heating a building, cooling a building, and then embodied carbon, which is all the carbon uh, which is emitted through the process getting – harvesting materials manufacturing fabricating and moving them to site and constructing them so i think they're they're no they know as well as i do what's at what's at stake and what they have to do and all of the contractors i'm working with are working towards the same end so i'm not sure i can say anything but keep going guys
2: finally give us the name of your your podcast and where, where we can get you the name of the podcast
0: is the 21st century comparative podcast tf ci podcast.com
1: there you go Craig Applegarth talking to Henry McDonald and inspirational stuff there Pete
3: yeah really amazing stuff to to hear Steve like I suppose the, the word philosophy keeps on popping into my head and it's very clear to see that the people involved in this project and obviously Craig being being one of the main people involved they have a certain ethos they have a certain philosophy of how to approach construction and, and how to do it in 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 such a you know sustainable way. Really, really interesting stuff. Man has got a wealth of knowledge. The, the more we go down uh, the, the road of, of sustainability and the more we get to, to learn about the challenges ahead, but also the solutions to those challenges, people putting so much time, effort, and energy. And, and, and obviously money because like he mentioned it himself there like these guys are are, are doing this themselves they're like they're self-funding this they're, they're not like you know going for government grants and stuff like this and uh i said it there earlier like if if they pull this off and it sounds like there are really several steps along along the way to pulling it off it's going to be a game changer when it comes to how high-rise buildings are done and of course that will evolve then into
1: other areas of construction as well so amazing stuff I mean, the thing is that when we have these big issues, and of course we've, you know, we've had the pandemic, and you know, there are always big things going on in the world, and people shine a spotlight on certain sectors, certain industries, certain people or groups of people. What's really exciting and heartwarming is when you start to hear people coming up with the solutions, because then you can see what's possible. Yeah, I totally agree, Stephen. I actually had a very
3: positive meeting meeting only uh, yesterday with. I'm, I'm involved with a couple of companies and uh, one of the companies is, is Tech7. They do adhesives and um, lots of other pro- products as well, sealants, that type of thing. And, and they are taking huge steps uh, coming very soon towards, uh, again, how they even package their product and how they are going to massively reduce the, 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 the their, their own carbon footprint and the amount of plastics that they produce, all of those type of things. Companies, global companies... Are taking this serious now, and it's a long journey, and it takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of time to to complete any project. And, and in construction, <laughs> we know that better than anybody because pretty much every project we're involved in has to go through these steps. And then you get you get moments along the road where you get you know in construction when the walls go up, you can suddenly see the fabric of of, of the building. You can kind of see the size of the rooms, and the roof goes on, and you know the windows go in, and suddenly you can get a sense of the light and the feeling that that is going to be you go through the different phases then when natural light starts bouncing off the reflective surfaces in the building and you start to, you know the building starts to become alive and you get all those little little nice moments as you go along in in a construction project and if i relate that to where we are on the sustainability issue we're, we're starting to see some nice stages we're starting to see real action happen we're And there's certainly a change in mindset that I can see. Are we there yet? Absolutely not. But are we going in the right direction? Without a shadow of a doubt, we are. There's so many people taking this seriously now. And thank whoever needs to be thanked for that because, you know, this is real. This is not an illusion. People can see it themselves. I, I, I walk outside, you know, at certain times and the storms that we're getting in Ireland are Unnatural to what I was uh, aware of uh, or, or cognitive towards as as a young man, and same again. Heat we're getting heat in in, in different areas. The, the temperatures have risen, and we obviously we, we know about the situation where we've got the polar melting and stuff like that going on. So there's so much reality to this situation that people are now taking it serious and are starting to to take action. And when people start to take action, it does b- build up a momentum, and it does. Get a chain reaction, and this chain reaction is going to be probably the most positive chain reaction that you know in 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 our time in our history, because this this could be what 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 saves our, our planet and and what puts us back into you know where we need to be, which is in in harmony with our planet. And again, the ethos that that we heard today from Craig was all about that, like his saying. I thought I thought it was a brilliant, sa- brilliant saying about looking to the past to to be able to invent the future. Like what a simple but clever. Uh, statements and how do you you look at your previous mistakes and instead of giving out about it and sort of you know condemning you know what was done in the past, you learn from those mistakes and you 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 then invent the
1: future. Yeah, and what I like about the industry's um, response to the climate change emergency is that everybody's doing their bit. So you've got Craig and people like Craig who are very much focused on on sort of the design side of things. You've got other people. We've talked to various people uh, on this podcast about materials and different uh, solutions in that sense. We talk a lot on this podcast about technology and how that can make a difference, whether it's making things more efficient, speeding things up, being able to do jobs that um, that are dangerous or, or in some cases impossible for humans to do all of this stuff comes together uh, to create the, a sort of a, a smorgasbord of solutions you know it's not one solution that's going to solve this it's everything that comes together that will be the collective solution and and that's what we bring you on constructive voices and that's why it's so exciting to, to talk to our guests
3: yeah exactly Stephen and, and that's it like Collective thinking and um, open-mindedness is is always a good philosophy to have in, in any approach to, to, to life. You know, if you go into anything too emotional in terms of, you know, you're, you're only focusing on your gain or you're, you know, you're going into something angry or sad, it can cloud your judgment. Whereas if you get, you know, collectively people thinking about so many uh, different as- aspects of the same subject and putting their their minds, their hearts, their souls, and their money into, into coming up with a with solution. And again, there's never just one solution. It's, it's like trying to get fit. You know, We'd all love to be able to take a pill and we get fit. No, you've got to watch your diet. You've got to get proper sleep. You've got to you know get out there and, and put your exercise in. And then you will start to see the results. And this is the same. We're starting to see uh, the benefits of, of the hard work that's being put in. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, but the, the Footprint Plus exhibition that we're going to be going to in June is going to be a moment where so many of, of similar minded people are coming together in, under one roof to Show their ideas to showcase what they've done to get to discuss these type of ideas with other people and again I'm so excited that we're going to be involved in that as well Steve because we can be in the middle of asking the right questions and maybe connecting the dots between a couple of of, of these uh, different uh, excellent companies and and excellent products that we're going to be showcasing here or will be showcased at the event
1: yeah definitely and and it demonstrates this event demonstrates precisely what we're talking about you know that breadth of knowledge and breadth of uh, of impetus towards the solution because you know, that yes, of course, they've got builders there, but they've also got people from the finance world. They've got people from the legal community. They've got people from councils and, and other sort of government bodies, you know, and it's about everybody working together for the same goals. So, this is going to be a fantastic event. We will be talking, of course, a lot about it over the next few months leading up to that event in Brighton, uh, 7th to 9th of June 2022. It's going to be a fantastic event. Footprint Plus, you. Do a search for it and you'll find it online or go to footprintplus.com and you'll find all the information and we'll talk more about it in in future episodes, Pete. As always, brilliant to speak to you and we'll talk again next time. Sorry, Steve, there's one more thing we've got to do. Oh, okay. (laughs) Ah. Happy
3: birthday to you! <laughs> Happy birthday to you! Happy birthday,
1: constructive voices! Happy birthday to you! <laughs> I knew from your Instagram that you're a dancer. I had no idea you had such a beautiful singing voice as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I will believe you, but uh, I, I thousands, wouldn't, thousands wouldn't. Thank you very much, Dave. For <laughs> talk my Cheers, Pete, and I look forward to the album coming out in time for Christmas. <laughs> And that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices. Please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting. Follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can. You can also listen to the latest episode by saying, Alexa, play Constructive Voices podcast.
0: Here's Constructive Voices. Here's the latest episode.
1: And on our website, where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something.